0: with us this morning.
1: Amen. As Amber said earlier, we want to welcome you here today. Uh, and at this time, we'd like you to turn and find the first names of four people around you. Wouldn't you do that, please?
2: You can uh, go ahead and have a seat. Um, I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopeout. I'm Adam Harba, outreach pastor here at Hopeout. Good. Pal. So if you didn't get four names, there's two for you, okay? <laughs> I was like, cast four names? That's a lot of pressure, you know? <laughs> wow. Hey, we are in December. A lot of great things happening uh, here at the church. Uh, one is the continuation of our... Christmas Outreach Offering. It's an opportunity for you to express your generosity to the Lord and to others over and above your regular giving so that we can be a blessing to those outside the four walls of our church. And we really have quite a legacy and heritage with this offering, don't we, Adam?
3: Yeah, we do. So, I mean, going back to 2010, the the Christmas that we were first in this building is when we started the Christmas Outreach Offering. And since 2010, as a church, we've all contributed over $823,000 to this offering, which is incredible. Yeah. And then, you know, as the outreach pastor, I get the privilege of kind of having a front row seat to the way that it really does mobilize this church to do ministry locally and globally. And so it really is not just about cutting checks and, and sending dollars out to support organizations and things. But it, it truly mobilizes this church to go be the church in the community. And so as, needs, as you see needs, you've engaged those dollars and, and accomplished ministry uh, all throughout our community, which is just incredible. And this year alone, uh, groups have accessed funds over 80 times just in this year Uh, To accomplish ministry locally and globally. So it's just incredible, and thank you guys so much for doing
2: that. Good. Next week, you're going to share some stories about some of the projects that have happened this year, right? Yeah,
3: I'll have some of the specific stories of what's been taking place.
2: Great. And then, in addition to that, this year, we're also using the offering to fund the launch of Hopewell Bay City in February of 2018. And so we've set a goal of $350,000, which is a little over double of what was given last year. So in addition to funding local and global projects, we also want to uh, pay for all the upfront expenses associated with launching Hopewell Bay City as well as to cover as much of the first year of ministry operations as possible. Uh, giving towards that so far has gone really well and we're looking forward to how the year's gonna wind up. So Adam, how can people give?
3: Yeah, so there's a couple different options in the lobby. You can pick up these Christmas outreach offering envelopes. And, you know, once you prayerfully make a gift and put it in this envelope, you could bring it to, uh, you know, either give this morning or the services next week, in addition to any of our Christmas services that are coming up on the 23rd and 24th. There's also an online giving option. So if you go to our website, the top right hand corner is a give tab, and then the drop down box, and you can go to the Christmas outreach offering give there as well.
2: Well, thank you for that, and again, looking forward to hear your stories next week. Thank you. Good. Hey, uh, speaking of Christmas, Adam mentioned that this Christmas season, we're going to have five services over two days so on the 23rd we'll have services at 5 and 7 pm and on the 24th we'll have services at 1 3 and 5. now the 24th christmas eve falls on a sunday this year so we're not going to have morning services like normal but the five services spread out over two days Uh, each service will last around an hour they're the same service Uh, Doors are going to open a half hour before each service, and we'll also have children's ministries programming for birth through pre-K. These are awesome times for worship. These are great opportunities to invite a friend, a family member to be a part as we worship Jesus Christ, the newborn King. Well, as we continue to worship, speaking of that, I'm going to have the ushers come forward as we take up the offering. You know, whether it's our regular giving or the Christmas outreach offering, I just I'm so thankful that you are a generous church, and God uses that and honors that to bless many people in the name of Jesus, and we just want to continue to worship God in that way. So would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is. We are here to call upon our Lord, who reigns and rules over all, whose heart towards us is one of grace and kindness, even when we don't always measure up. We come into this place in need of mercy, healing, cleansing, forgiveness, and Lord's strength to live the kind of lives you want us to live. Thank you that we're not in it alone. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us the church. You've given us each other that we may live more fully for our Savior Jesus. And even today as we engage with these songs and later these songs of Christmas that are so familiar to us, may they sing anew and afresh in us that we would again be people of worship and praise. Um, And not just in this building, but all throughout our week. So Lord, as we turn our attention to worship through giving now, We just give from the overflow of all that you've provided for us. You are great. You are good. And Lord, you are worthy to be praised. So God, take this, take our lives, take our church. It's all yours. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: We continue with some familiar Christmas carols. We invite you to sing with us. We'll stand you up in a moment.
0: Say. What's the certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay?
1: God, we applaud you, and we thank you so much for sending your son into this world. God, that day when the earth was searching and looking for a solution to the issues and the problems that they had, much as today. God, we just thank you for doing that. We thank you for loving us that much. And God, we pray that today we would be reminded of that, that our thoughts would turn to you, uh, and that we may truly... Feel the love that you express to us through your coming to this earth. God, we love you so much, and thank you for who you are. In all your majesty, and in your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
2: it's great to worship, sing these songs to the Lord. I want to welcome those of you in the venue who are part of our Bay City Core? Great to have you with us. And uh, hey, I just want to celebrate together an incredible night of prayer and worship that we had last Friday at John Glenn High School. Uh, show of hands, how many of you were a part of that? Yeah, great to see you. I I guess we probably had 400 or so people in the auditorium of John Glenn High School where Hopevale Bay City is going to be gathering and starting uh, next year. And just a great time of saying, Lord, we want you to do incredible things, amazing things, wonderful things. So uh, thanks for being a part of that. Thanks for continuing to pray and just be excited about what God is doing as we begin in Bay City. Uh, so today I want to start with a question, okay? I'm going to ask you a question. This is a question about your personality and your temperament when it comes to how structured and organized you are, okay? And so the question is this, that on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 is like hyper-organized ultra plan. One is low-key, laid-back, go-with-the-flow, spontaneous, Okay? Scale of one to 10, what number best describes your personality? Okay? One to 10, think about that. And then as you do, go ahead and turn to the person next to you and tell them your number, okay? <laughs> All right, uh, just, just curious how many of you graded yourself five and under? You're more spontaneous, go with the flow. Okay, quite a lot of you, yeah. How many of you are six and above, more on the plan side of things? Oh, yeah, okay. And then some of you, uh, how many of you are so controlling, you wish I had given you more advanced notice (laughs) to, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Well, you know, truth be told, I'm probably more on the high end of things. I'm more an eight or so. uh, planning, structured. I think my family, I think the staff here would tell you that, but I'm not the only one in our family. You know, when it comes to Kathy, my wife, um, let me just say this. She is a 10 in more ways than just one, okay? (laughs) Yeah. So, well, in any case, whether you are highly structured, incredibly spontaneous, or somewhere in between, where... Wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, I think it's safe to say that all of us like being in control, right? Structured or spontaneous, we like to be in control. Even if you're more in the go go with the flow side of things, there's still that part in all of us that we have these hopes and dreams and desires and expectations for how we want our life to go. So we all have plans whether or not we have a 20-point action strategy to accompany those plans for our lives. And then on the flip side of that, even the most disorganized among us, we don't like to get caught off guard, do we? To be vulnerable, to feel like our lives are slipping away. See, I don't care if you're a one, a ten, or somewhere in between. The desire to hold on to our plans, to feel like we're in control, is something that's common to everyone. Now, last week, Pastor Sam kicked off our Christmas series entitled Wonder, and he talked about the danger, the danger of us going through the motions, this Christmas season and missing out on the wonder that God wants us to experience. This time of year, we do, don't we, get glimpses of wonder as we look at life through the eyes of a child, as we think about their excitement, anticipation for the coming of Christmas. And these glimpses point us to the revelation of the greatest wonder ever God coming to our earth in the form of a helpless baby boy born without any in in a lowly, ordinary Bethlehem manger. Now, if we think about that for a couple minutes, it would just really blow our minds. God, the eternal, infinite God coming to our earth. And yet the challenge is, especially as we get older, is that our familiarity with this story can breed this kind of boredom and complacency within us, where the extraordinary becomes the ordinary and it robs us of our wonder. But familiarity is just one of the challenges when it comes to experiencing the wonder of Christmas. Control is another. See, control is the enemy of wonder. Control is the enemy of wonder. The need to feel like we're in control of our lives, that things are going according to our plans, that too can get in the way of wonder. And so today I want us to talk about how we can overcome that obstacle, that enemy of control. And to do that, we're going to look at the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. After all, it wouldn't be Christmas, right, if we didn't recount her experience. And so we're going to do that this morning. And yet we're going to do it in a little different way, in a way that doesn't just limit us to her miraculous conception, pregnancy, and, and delivery, but we're also going to follow her story as Jesus' mom well beyond his birth. And we're going to do that as a way to learn lessons of how we can defeat this enemy of control within us, and then how we can enter into the wonder that God intends for us to experience in knowing and following Jesus. So with that in mind, we're going to begin in the gospel of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. You can follow along in your Bibles if you have one, or use the uh, apps, either the YouVersion app, the Hope Bell app, or you can just listen and Look at the verses on the screens. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Let's take a look. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now set aside everything you know about this story, okay? And just focus on what we're told here. We're introduced to a couple, They're engaged. Their names are Joseph and Mary. Just camp there for a moment, right? They're engaged. They're going to get married. This is an exciting time in their life. And just like young couples today, I'm sure they had their own hopes and plans and dreams of how they envisioned their life together. You see, as a first century Middle Eastern Jewish couple, their wedding would be this huge celebration. Extended family, groups of friends, members of the community, fellow worshipers. The local synagogue in this galilean town of nazareth see for many especially the bride this would be a highlight of a lifetime and then from there i'm sure mary envisioned them settling down around their family and nazareth joseph continuing his work in carpentry mary, mary managing the home and then when the time was right lord willing they would begin a family God believed that was the plan, but this passage gives us a hint that things might not go according to plan. See, God sends this angelic being by the name of Gabriel to Mary in Nazareth. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, "'Greetings, you who are highly favored. "'The Lord is with you.' "'Mary was troubled at his words "'and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. "'But the angel said to her, "'Do not be afraid, Mary. "'You have found favor with God.' You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now talk about your plans crumbling right before your very eyes, right? Mary, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. Now, that's enough right there being visited by an angel and having him tell you that you're going to become pregnant, but that's just the start. Also, Mary, you're going to name this son Jesus, which means God saves, because he is going to be the Savior of mankind. He is going to be the promised Messiah that the people of God for generations have been longing to see. Now, what do you do with a plan-wrecking curveball like that? Verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. She can't even begin to get the Messiah part of this bombshell, right? Her mind wrapped around that. She's still stuck on the conception part, and rightfully so. That according to her natural understanding, there is no possible way she could become pregnant. So Gabriel explains the unexplainable. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary, this is going to be a supernatural, miraculous act of God. Verse 36. So even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. Mary, whatever God promises to do, he will do it. That just as the Lord is already doing a miraculous work with your relative Elizabeth and her, against all odds, pregnancy in her old age, he is going to do the same for you. For Mary, she had a choice then, right? She had a choice. I mean, how do you even begin to process such life-altering news, let alone respond? And yet she does. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Here was the choice Mary had. Submit or resist. Submit or resist. Submit and come to some point of acceptance of this news, even though she didn't fully understand what God was up to in her life. Or resist and stubbornly cling to her self made plans and try to remain in control. Submit or resist. And for Mary, she submitted rather than resisted. And you know why she did that? I think the reason is right here in this verse. I think the reason she was able to submit to the Lord's plans in her life is found in those first five words I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. In other words, her purpose trumped her plans. Her purpose trumped her plans that who she was before God was more important to her than what she wanted out of life. Think about that. That who she saw herself before the Lord, that was more important than what she wanted out of life. Not that her plans were wrong, her hopes, dreams, wishes, desires for how she envisioned her life playing out. I'm sure those held a special place in her heart. But she was willing to let those go. Why? Why? Because she knew that her greater purpose in life was to serve the Lord wherever, whenever, and however she could. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now I know, right? I know that this is a once and all of eternity kind of moment. It's never going to be repeated again. Never. I get that. And yet the underlying principles here of Mary's response, they still ring true to the choices in life that we face today, right? So I'm pretty sure that the plans that all of us have, you know, those aren't going to be confronted by an angel who's going to visibly appear in our midst. But you know what? God can and God will bring us to that same fork in the road, that submit or resist fork in the road. And he'll do so by other means. See, God uses his word to show us how we should and should not live. And God uses the still, small voice of his Holy Spirit and those nudges, right, to address something we'd rather not. God uses other people and timely words of wisdom that they speak into our lives. And God uses our circumstances and situations in life, including the ones that rattle us, the ones that threaten the plans that we've been tenaciously clinging to. And whenever that happens, we have to ask ourselves this question What's more important, my purpose or my plans? What's more important, my purpose? Or my plans. Now, if you know Jesus personally as your Savior, if you consider yourself a Christian, then your purpose on this earth, your calling in life, it's the same as Mary's, that you are the Lord's servant. You are the Lord's servant, that you are meant to give up control, to let go of your plans. Why? Because God is something different and something better for you, even if you can't see it at the time. Even if it doesn't make sense to you right away, that regardless of your age, gender, gender, marital status, stage of life, your purpose of serving the Lord with this one life he's given you must always trump your plans. Always. And when we can make that choice, to submit rather than to resist, then guess what? As we're letting go of control, that's when we open ourselves up to the wonder that God wants us to experience. See, I think the wisdom of the book of Proverbs captures this well. Proverbs 16, 9 says this. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Now, let me clear: There's nothing wrong with making plans, right? Nothing wrong with it at all. As a matter of fact, you know, I could take the Bible right now. We could open the pages of Scripture, And we could look at plenty of verses, including many from Proverbs, that talk about the wisdom, that extol the virtue of making plans, right? And I know it's not in the Bible, but I think it's true as well that those who fail to plan, plan to fail. So there's nothing wrong with making plans, okay? But there is a difference between making plans versus making plans our God, right? Making plans our God, that what we envision for life is the thing that we hold on to and, and say, you know, life has to follow this script, right? We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And so our hopes and dreams and wishes and desires, those must never get in the way of serving the Lord whenever, wherever, and however he calls us, never. Because control is the enemy of wonder. And so we need to constantly have this spirit, like Mary, of openness and availability before the Lord and to be willing to surrender our plans to God's purposes for our lives. Well, angel, uh, Mary's experience with the angel Gabriel, that was just one of the many times that she found her plans right? Being challenged by the Lord. I think of the passage that Pastor Sam read last week that spoke of Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem, right? For the Roman census that was being taken and how Mary gave birth to Jesus in a stable there instead of the comfort of her own hometown, right? I mean, think about that, that after months of trying to make peace with such mind-blowing news, that after enduring the small-town glances and whispers surrounding what must have been a controversial and scandalous pregnancy, at least, at least Mary could have been given, right, the blessing of familiar surroundings in her own home, delivering her son in the comfort of her own bed, surrounded by the people she knew and loved, right? Right? I mean, that seems like a reasonable hope after her plan A was blown to smithereens, right? But Nazareth wasn't meant to be. No, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Why? To fulfill the messianic promises spoken by the prophet Micah centuries before. Again, Mary had to let go of her plans to fulfill her purpose. And it doesn't stop there. Mary doesn't just have the responsibilities of mothering a newborn. She's now tasked with raising the Messiah, the promised one, the conquering king who's supposed to deliver the Jewish people from the clutches of the evil Roman Empire. And so as Mary and Joseph take their eight-day-old son to Jerusalem to consecrate him as the firstborn to the Lord and to have him circumcised according to Jewish law, while they're in Jerusalem, this aged blind man by the name of Simeon Simeon, who's told by the Holy Spirit that he would see the Messiah he would, before he passes, takes Jesus into his arm, pronounces a blessing over him that Jesus would be a light for revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of his people Israel. But then Simeon goes on to tell Mary that he, Jesus, would be rejected along the way. Jesus will be rejected. And, quote, Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. A sword will pierce your own soul to rejection, suffering. How is that supposed to work when you've got a budding superstar as a son? It makes no sense at all. It's not part of the plan. At least it's not part of her plan for her son. Now fast forward 12 years later, right? Joseph, Mary, Jesus, extended family from Nazareth. They make their annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, this religious feast that commemorates Israel's first great deliverance. And that after their visit was over, as the caravan is heading back to Nazareth, on the second day of that journey, Mary and Joseph realize that Jesus wasn't with them. He wasn't with them. I mean, this is, I think, the original home alone moment, right? Where mom and dad realize that they don't have their son, And so they backtrack their way to Jerusalem, searching the city. They finally find their 12-year-old son. He's sitting in the temple courts. And what's he doing in the temple courts? He's interacting with respected religious teachers of the day. He's listening, asking questions, giving answers, while others around them are looking on in amazement. And so Mary, like any worried mom, says to Jesus, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And how does Jesus reply? Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Speaking of the temple. And with those words, Mary had to let go again, realizing that Jesus' relationship with his heavenly father was more important than the one he had with his own earthly parents. How wounding that must have been for a mom to hear. And yet the Bible says she treasured, she pondered these things in her heart. Then even later on as Mary gets older and Jesus is a full-fledged adult and begins his earthly ministry, they have another dust-up, so to speak, and of all settings, at a wedding. A wedding ceremony in the city of Cana where Jesus again reminds Mary of his higher calling. And this goes on and on all the way to the end when Mary the mother has to witness the unjust execution of Jesus, her son, in the most inhumane way possible. Death by crucifixion at the hand of the dreaded Romans, the cross of Calvary. Just as Simeon predicted, Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. No matter how many times Mary had to surrender her plans to the Lord, no one, including her, expected that the promised Messiah would die on a cross in our place for our sins. Yet again, another crossroads, another choice in that moment. Mary's purpose as the Lord's servant, or Mary's plan as a loving mother to spare her son from all that suffering. Now, following the resurrection, there's actually no record of Jesus appearing to his mother personally though she must have heard the news right but we are told that later on following jesus's ascension into heaven after the resurrection mary met up with the disciples in jerusalem they experienced pentecost together the coming of the holy spirit and the formation of this new covenant community called the church and then maybe then right just maybe did the picture become clearer for mary about who her son came to be for people of all generations including us today the that the baby she carried in her womb the baby that was delivered in this bethlehem stable that this jesus was and is and will always be the son of god the savior of mankind the prince of peace the king of kings and the lord of lords see i wanted to walk you through mary's journey with jesus beyond just his birth, because her life of having to let go again and again and again is another lesson about wonder for us, and the lesson is this, that a life of wonder isn't just about a one-time decision, right, we make. No, it's about a series of ongoing choices where we keep on surrendering our plans to the Lord's purposes, A Life of Wonder isn't just about a one-time decision, it's about a series of ongoing choices where we keep on surrendering our plans to the Lord's purposes. See, here's what you need to understand about being a Christian. It starts with an initial one-time decision where we call upon Jesus Christ to be our Savior and our Lord, and if you've never done that before, if you've never responded to the love and the forgiveness that the crucified, risen Jesus freely offers you, I would encourage you. To make that decision today. To trust in Jesus fully as your Savior and your Lord. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's why Jesus came to this earth, right? That's where it starts. But it doesn't stop there. No, following Jesus in this life means that we're gonna face a series of these ongoing choices from now until we die where we're gonna be called again and again and again to surrender our plans to the Lord's purposes, even when it's hard, even when it hurts, Even when it's unfair and it doesn't make any sense at all. See, I know we love to be in control, all of us do, but control is the enemy of wonder, so can we let go? Will we let go? Will we believe and live as servants of the Lord wherever, whenever, and however he leads us? I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. The life of wonder isn't a one-time decision. No, it's a series of ongoing choices where we keep on surrendering our plans to the lord's purposes and so as we think about mary as we think of her story of ongoing surrender i want to make this practical for us right see it's one thing to say we believe that control is the enemy of wonder but it's another thing to act on it to make a choice to make it change and do something about it and so as we begin to wind down i, I want to give you a few suggestions of how to do that, how to step away from control and to step towards wonder. And as I walk through this list, I want you to pay attention to the one that really grabs you the most. So here's the first. Choosing control or wonder over control, try something new, all right? Step out of your comfort zone and try something new. Let me ask you, when's the last time you've taken a risk I'm not talking about reckless behavior. No, I'm talking about doing something you've never done before, putting yourself in a position where you might fail or look foolish. To some of us, that feels like death, so we just avoid the risk. But listen, playing it safe is not the pathway to life. It's not the pathway to wonder. No, it's just our way, our excuse of staying in control. You know, I get so encouraged by our ministry teams that are willing to travel to places they've never been before to minister to people they've never met before. That's a life of wonder. And so maybe for you this Christmas doesn't mean you have to get in a car or hop on a plane. No, maybe it's just going across the street, going next door and meeting a neighbor you've never met before, trying something new. Maybe it's doing a ropes course, joining an exercise class where you feel like everyone's going to stare at you even though they're not, right? Or maybe it's reaching out to a friend, a family member, and inviting them to one of our Christmas services, right? See, anytime we can get out of our comfort zone, anytime we can try something new, we lessen the grip that control has on our lives. Here's another, do something different, Break up your routine and do something different. Now I know that sounds a lot like try something new, but here I'm thinking about us getting out of the ruts of our routines, right? And we all have ruts, don't we? See, this touches on Pastor Sam's message from last week and the peril of familiarity where we keep on doing the same thing in the same way over and over again. Now, routines, we have them. There's nothing wrong in and of themselves. We just need to be careful that our routines aren't dulling our senses and putting us to sleep. So what can you do? Well, I know that sounds silly, but but you can change things up right here. When you come on a Sunday, try sitting in a different section. Try going to a different service. Or, or how about this? How about talking to some different people after a service? And trust me, we have a lot of different people you know, here at Hopewell right? <laughs> you know, whether it's here at church, at home, at work, in school, in life, wherever, it's so easy to just let your routine guide your life instead of being open to how God wants to lead us. Do something different, break up your routine. Here's another, experience something big. And let yourself be awed. I think this concept of awe best captures right what we're trying to communicate with wonder. Awe, it's that overwhelming sense, it's that speechless feeling where there's something so big, so grand, so glorious that it makes us feel so small and so not in control. I felt that a lot this past spring with our trip to Israel. So many different experiences. I think about standing in front of the western wall, this final, lasting remnant, right, of the temple in Jerusalem. And it wasn't just being overwhelmed by the size, although it's gigantic. It was being overwhelmed by the significance, right? Being in this place where before the time of Jesus, this is where the presence of God dwelt among his people. Ah, worship, wonder. But you don't have to go to Israel to experience something like that. No, you know, between now and Christmas, turn off the screens, step outside, and look up into the night sky. Scripture tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God, right? Right? Or how about this, go to a symphony, go to a massive choral concert, something like Handel's Messiah, right? Immerse yourself in this ocean of soul-stirring music that speaks to you about the bigness and the greatness of our God. Experience something big, let yourself be awed. That is how you choose wonder over control. Fourth, let something go. Choose to be less busy and let something go. And I know that seems impossible this time of year, doesn't it? Shopping, extra gatherings, school activities, family obligations. There's so much going on, isn't there? But let me just be honest with you. You're not a victim, right? You're not a victim. You can say no. And this year, you might have to say no to some things that you used to always say yes to. Think of the words of the Christian author Corey ten Boom. You know, she says, you know, if the devil can't make us bad, then he'll make us busy. Make us busy. Busyness can distract us of what matters most this time of year. Can rob us of the wonder if we let it. No, it's not too late to look at your schedule between now and Christmas, right? Instead of thinking that you have to fill up every little last slot of time, block some things out and just leave room to let your soul breathe, pray, reflect. Make room for some wonder this Christmas, right? Let something go. Choose to be less busy. One choice will make a huge difference, I promise you. And one more, give something away. Live generously. Give something away. Listen, money and the feeling of being in control, they go hand in hand. They do. And so while money in and of itself isn't bad or wrong or evil, clinging to it as the source of our significance and security Is? It's a betrayal of of our trust in the Lord to be our security and our significance. That's why Jesus warned us that we can't serve both God and money at the same time. No, either we're a servant of the Lord or we're a slave to money. A servant of the Lord or a slave to money, it's one or the other. And so you know how you loosen the grip that money can have on your heart? You give it away. You share it with others. And when you do, you're not only blessing other people with your generosity, but you're also liberating yourself. And so when Adam and I were were talking about the Christmas outreach offering, you know, if you haven't participated yet, I would encourage you to pray about your involvement, to listen to God, and to respond accordingly. Pray about your involvement, listen to God, and respond accordingly. And you know what else this time of year? You're also going to run into other opportunities where you can be generous with people in need. People in need, and so be open to that as well. See, here's how generosity is supposed to work that there's both planned generosity and spontaneous generosity? Planned generosity and spontaneous generosity. And do you see what I did there, bringing back the whole planned and spontaneous thing, right? So those of us who are planned, maybe we need to be a little spontaneous. And none of us who are spontaneous, maybe we need to be a little more planned. The point is that whatever you do as you choose wonder over control, give something away this Christmas and live generously. This is the life God has for us, not the small little world of clinging to our control. So try something new. Do something different. Experience something big. Let something go. Give something away. And even as I read that, you know, I realize that Mary did all five of these things during her lifetime. She did. Why? Because her purpose as the Lord's servant was more important than her holding tightly to her plans. What an example. And so this Christmas, just like Mary, let us also be these people of wonder, right? Let's choose wonder. In choosing wonder, let us surrender our plans to the Lord's purposes for our lives today, this month, and for the rest of our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we are gathered here in this place experiencing the full blessings of Jesus Christ because of the choices of surrender that Mary made. And it wasn't just that initial, you know, may your word be fulfilled to me, right? It wasn't just that. But it was ongoing choices where Mary's plans, her expectations about who Jesus would be to her had to keep on changing and how hard that must have been for a mother to experience. Thank you that she was willing to let go. And in letting go, (laughs) we're blessed. That Jesus fulfilled his purpose, dying on the cross for our sins, rising again from the grave, conquering death and sin and inviting us and opening the door to forgiveness and grace and eternal life and freedom. Thank you for those of us who know that, for others, Lord, who are curious and wondering, may today be the day they take that step of faith. For all of us, Lord, what is the latest series, of ongoing choices of surrender we need to make? Show us that, and let us just be open to go through life with open arms, open hands, to your purposes, holding our plans loosely. We can make our plans, but God, thank you that you determine our steps. And thank you again just for Jesus, our Savior, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We worship him and worship him alone, praying all this in his name, amen.
0: I am waiting in a silent prayer I am frightened by the Lord
2: what a moment of worship, huh? That's incredible. Next week, we're going to continue our wonder series. We're going to talk about the story of the Magi and their pursuit of wonder. But as you go from here, may the Lord give you courage, faith, and trust to surrender your plans to his purposes for your life. God bless you.